Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Merry Christmas. It is wonderful to see you all here this morning. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently, and I know we don't have kids bin, so the service will be a little bit shorter, uh, but I think it'll be uh, special. And we really want to take the time uh, when we're gathered here on Christmas Eve to, to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so things will run a little bit differently. You'll see the offering is being passed around already now, um, but I'll be doing a lot of reading and uh, once we get to the Christmas story, we're going to read and then sing our way through it. So I would, in, I would ask that you stay seated for the first bunch of songs. We are going to build towards the end where we'll invite you to stand just so everyone can see and not be blocked and that kind of stuff. Sound good? All right. I've been looking forward to this. We had two gatherings. I'll just be quick. But yesterday was a gathering and then the day before was a gathering. So I actually had prepared the day before. I've never had to wait and just like had this burning desire to share with you what God laid on my heart. So let's pray, and then we'll begin. Lord Jesus, we are humbled, and we are blessed to know you, to be called by your name. We think about the lengths and the depths that you have gone to to show and prove to us your intentions to save. You were willing to limit yourself in human form, even taking on the form of a baby coming down to earth, to our level. Living a perfect life. Taking on our sin, even though you knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. We are forever blessed beyond measure. You've given us what we could never earn and what we did not deserve. So now, Lord, we, we tell you today that we desire to honor and glorify you, but we also ask that you would lead us on a journey through your story, that you would minister to us, that you would captivate our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. It all began in Eden. It was a garden paradise. There was innocence, joy, peace. They were naked and unashamed. Unity, oneness, hope, perfection. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They knew life. But Adam and Eve's treason in the garden brought sin, deception, darkness, shame, brokenness, torment, and despair. It brought rejection, regret. It brought death. The entire earth, all of creation was corrupted through their rebellion. But God wouldn't give up on those he created, those whom he loved, and he gave them a promise. Despite their failure, he would redeem. He would send a serpent crusher who would undo the curse. Being banished from the garden, Adam and Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel. Maybe one of these would be the promised serpent crusher. But pride and jealousy led to deception. And that brotherhood ended in murder. The curse continued to wreak destruction. Adam and Eve's regret was like no one else in history. They tasted the goodness of God. They walked in perfection with him in the garden. But their sin brought upon the curse. 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years passed by and many generations of men were born. But wickedness was great on the earth. Fallen angels sought to corrupt the bloodline. God, who was slow to anger, he could not allow it to continue. Saddened, he brought a great flood. The bloodline would be protected. But he would keep for himself a remnant, righteous Noah and his family. And with that, mankind was given a restart. 200 years later, mankind united again in rebellion against God. Having refused to spread across the earth, they built a great tower and called it Babel. The curse could not be broken through a restart. But God raised up another man. He raised up a man named Abram and his wife Sarai, 
and he made a covenant with Abram, a promise. He said that he would give him land, the promised land. He would make them a great nation, and that nation would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. God was still working to redeem his people from the curse. From Isaac to Jacob to Joseph, they finally landed up in Egypt, far from the promised land. They still had not seen the fulfillment of God's promise. Creation and God's people were groaning in expectation. 400 years in Egypt under harsh slavery led to despair and hardship, and their spirits were broken. Where had God gone? Had he forgotten them? Had he forgotten his promise? But God had not forgotten them. He raised up another man, Moses, and Moses was a deliverer. He was a prototype of the one Messiah who is still to come. Moses led them to freedom, out from Egyptian slavery, through the Red Sea to the mountain of God. There, God gave them another covenant. He gave them a promise. He gave them the law. The Ten Commandments, he clearly articulated his character, his heart, and began detailing to them what kingdom life, life with him was like. But sin was deep in the hearts of men. Pride led to complaining and bitter hearts. And before they knew it, sin led to rebellion and 40 years were spent wandering in the desert. Many of those who had seen the great exodus died there. But God would not forget his promises, no. He sustained them despite their rebellion and kept for himself a remnant once more. This time it was Joshua who would lead Israel to the promised land, the land promised to Abram. The promises were finally being seen. Was now the time for their deliverance, for the reversal of the curse? As they conquered the land and they took territory, time passed and one generation died and another rose and took its place. There were judges and wars. There was deliverance then oppression and rebellion. Every success seemed to be marred by failure. The people longed for a deliverer, a king, and they cried out for a king. They asked God to give them a king. A king will deliver us, they said, just like the other nations. And they were right, but also very wrong. They chose Saul, who would disappoint them and fail them as a leader. But God raised up David, a man after his own heart. David was different than Saul. He was a worshiper. He was a warrior, a poet. He was a priest and a king all in one. Under David, they had a thriving kingdom. Perhaps they were close to seeing the curse being lifted. But the time had not yet come. They didn't know it then, but they were still a thousand years and much hardship away from seeing the Messiah. But God had not forgotten his people and he made another covenant with David. And, and he promised David from his line, the Messiah would be born. The serpent crusher would be a king and he would reign on David's throne forevermore. This king would be Lord of Lords and his kingdom would have no end. But every inclination of man's heart was towards sin. Solomon came after David and he had everything given to him. Solomon was given a kingdom, wisdom un unmatched by anyone else in human history. God gave him favor and wealth. Yet even with all of this, his sin and compromise ended up leading those who were following him away from God. When he died, his son Rehoboam split the kingdom in two. This once great kingdom under David was now broken. It was divided. The curse, sin, brokenness. Death was so deep in all of creation. Perfection in the garden, the great restart. Land, wealth, kings, discipline, judgment. None of these were enough to fix what mankind had broken through their sin. Mankind in creation groaned and longed for a redeemer. Kings lived, kings died, new kings arose in their place, and finally, they were in exile. Hope was lost, but God had not forgotten his promise. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call him Emmanuel. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. God's people, Israel, they had the promises of God, but they were trapped in exile, oppression, disunity, sin, bondage, and death. But God would not forget his promises. He would not forget his people. His plans will never be thwarted. And even in exile, God reminded them that his plans for them were good, that they could still have hope. He told Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Then came the famine of God's voice, another 400 years where God was silent. It had echoes of their time in Egypt. Had God forgotten them? The cry for Emmanuel was deep in each one of their hearts.
beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son, came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God sent his, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town called Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her, and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Will hear and the dead will. 
how the birth of Jesus came about. Mary was pledged to, married, to be married to Joseph and was found pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Now in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in, clo in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And they named him Jesus. appeared to them and glory of the Lord shone around them they were terrified but the angel said to them do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you he is the Messiah the Lord and this will be the sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom favor his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word considering what had been told them about his child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
firstborn, Joseph and Mary decided to remain in Bethlehem after he was born. Faithful to the law of Moses, they had him circumcised when he was eight days old. There the new family was greeted by two older saints, Simeon and Anna, to whom God gave the opportunity to see and recognize the Messiah before the end of their days. These wouldn't be the last individuals to discern the special nature of the child Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is this Messiah to be born? And they replied, In Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd, my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report it to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened tre their, their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. There he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under. This was in accordance with what he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. 
After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, another dream, and said, Get up, the time has come to take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, and he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in another dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, that he would be called a Nazarene. So who is, check, check, test, there we go. So who is Jesus? One of the things I loved about the story we just read, I mean, there's, there's so many good parts to it, but how many times did we hear, and this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets. And there is a lot we can learn when we look at how many prophecies were fulfilled by the first coming of Jesus to the earth, but... One might argue Jesus was just another prophet or a good teacher or a good man. And so let's take a look at just some of them. And this is just a few things that we can say Jesus is from what we find in the New Testament. But there is a lot more. Jesus is God. He's also man. Philippians 2, 5 to 8 says this. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This morning I would have you to consider, I know to, to many of you, you've heard this story so many times. Uh, you know, we, we, we celebrate it every Christmas, Jesus born in a manger, we know Jesus died for our sins. Mind you, there may be those in here, maybe you're not sure why you're here and you haven't heard this before and you're just getting this is the first time. This is good news. But for those who have heard this, I want you to consider something because one of the most common things, you know, when I talk to people that get stuck, especially in things like shame or feeling like they're unlovable or unworthy, I want you to think about what God did to express his love for you. You know, at Easter, we're going to talk about the cross, but I want you to even think about the incarnation and what that means to each one of us. What other God have you heard of that would be willing to limit himself in the form of a slave? A God who would be willing to come down in the form of a baby, the most helpless form of a human being. And for what reason? So he could become sin that knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. A God that be willing that would be willing to go to those kinds of lengths for you. What else do you think that he'd be willing to do for you? Do you think that's the kind of God that's going to forget you in your sins? Is that the kind of God that's going to turn his face on you because you're weak? But he's more, he's our only savior, Acts 4, 11 to 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name given amongst, uh, under heaven, given amongst men by which we must be saved. You know, this world's gonna promise you all sorts of things for salvation. Uh, whether it's climate change or getting rid of oil or maybe it's getting rid of plastic straws that's going to fix everything or it's a new government right if we just change our government if we get rid of you know a liberal government and bring in a conservative one then then things will change or maybe you're thinking you know I'm trapped in addiction I'm trapped in bondage I'm trapped in in anxiety and you're thinking you know maybe Maybe, just maybe, if I can get rid of this first. You know, maybe then, maybe then God will accept me, but what, what this verse says is that God is your only savior. You can't save yourself. You can't be less anxious and save yourself. You can't be less addicted and so be saved. It's only 
when we call upon the name of Jesus. But Jesus is also our shepherd. I am the door, Jesus said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What kind of man, what kind of person would lay down his life even for someone that they loved? That would be a noble act. But Jesus, he laid down his life for us while we were still sinners. He extends the offer of salvation to everyone, even those that continuously reject his offer. He is the good shepherd. The good shepherd doesn't leave the sheep when they're in danger. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But Jesus is more. He is our deliverer. John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Maybe you're here and you need a deliverer. You know, maybe you're stuck in sin or bondage. Or maybe it's shame that has you weighed down. Jesus promises to be your deliverer. If you put your faith and your trust in him, he promises to set you free. And yes, in this world you will have trouble and tribulation. He says that too. But he's looking at the eternal end game where you will be free with him for an eternity. Jesus is your life. How many in here are searching for life? We look for it in all sorts of places. We try to find it on, on screens, don't we sometimes? Scrolling through, trying to find it on substances, whatever it might be. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life. This is what we're all looking for. That we may know God, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Jesus is our Lord and King, Revelations 19 to 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you read that passage, Revelation 19, you're going to find Jesus is coming back as a lion, and he is not going to be defeated. But Jesus is also our hope. First Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to our living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What has your heart weighed down this morning? Is it loneliness? Is it sin? Do you feel lost? Maybe you've feel like you have your whole life figured out. <laughs> you don't need help. Maybe you're just having a good time. But I would encourage you to focus on who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God. He is. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the Savior, only Savior. He is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, friend of sinners, Almighty God. Jesus is Emmanuel the only name given by which we can be saved. Redeemer, 
Close your eyes just for a second. Who is Jesus to you? Who do you need him to be for you today? Do you feel
feel he's forgotten you? This Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, was willing to take on human form for you. We went through the story of the Old Testament before we got to the coming of Emmanuel. What a beautiful telling it is and what we saw again and again, hopes were rising and then they would be dashed. But the one constant from the beginning right till we are now is God's faithfulness. He does not forget his covenant promises. He does not forget his people. He is a refuge to those who call upon his name. Jesus is your savior. He is your shepherd. He is your deliverer, your life. He is our king. He is the only Lord. He is our hope. Jesus, even now I ask that you would minister to each one of our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that you would meet us where we are, whether it's excitement, we're on top of the mountain, or we're in the bottom of the valley in the pit of despair. Lord, would you meet us where we are, that we, we may know you, we want to know you, the only God, the one who was sent for us. We want eternal life. open your eyes at Christmas we celebrate the first coming and what a celebration it is there was probably babies crying then too it's a wonderful thing right you wonder what Jesus would have been like as a baby right yeah would have been something else he came as a lamb he was the lamb of God the perfect sacrifice he was meek he was lowly he was gentle. He was kind. He was good. He was unwavering in truth. He did not compromise. He never sinned. But yet he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's the first coming. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. The beginning, the incarnation, God with man, God became man. Fully God, fully man. That's what we're celebrating. What a scandalous thought. There isn't a religion out there that has thought of anything this wild, that God would do such a thing for us. It's always reversed, where we're the slaves serving him, and yet our God comes down and becomes the slave and serves us. But the story isn't over. Emmanuel came once, they experienced God with him in physical form. He then left and Jesus said it was better that he goes for he would send the Holy Spirit. He said, I won't leave you as orphans. So now we have the Holy Spirit. If you call upon the name of Jesus, he will give you his Holy Spirit as a guarantor inside, Emmanuel, God with you. But when Jesus comes back, God will be with us for eternity. And that is what we long for. He's coming back as a king. He won't be a lamb when he comes back. He's going to come back as a lion. And when he returns, the increase of his government will have no end. He will sit on a physical throne, the throne of David, and there will be no more war, no more peace. He will establish a kingdom that will last forevermore. And all of those who call upon his name now will be saved. And that comes leaves us at the end in Revelations, the warning and the invitation. Jesus said, look, this is Jesus' words if you look at them later in your Bible. I'm coming soon, my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you the testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. 
The Spirit and the Bride say come. This is your invitation today. The Spirit and the Bride. That Jesus who took on flesh, who would pay for your sin, who wants to be your Savior and deliverer and shepherd, offers his hand to you today. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take from the free gift of the water of life. I'm going to pray right now, and if you are here and you haven't given your life to him, or maybe you've walked away and you're here because it's Christmas, and this is kind of what you do at Christmas, you come to church. Maybe you're wanting to receive that free gift, or maybe you're wanting to recommit yourself to giving Jesus your whole heart, your whole life. No more compromise. I invite you to bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, first we have to thank you that you came that you came to earth. That is what we're celebrating, the incarnation, God with man, God becoming man, fully God, fully human. Jesus, we don't understand what it is that you saw when you looked at us. Often when we look in the mirror, Lord, we see all of the faults, all of the reasons why we would probably give up on ourselves. And yet you do not give up. You are relentless in your pursuit of us. You shower us with love, you give us chances after chances after chances. You offer grace, you extend forgiveness, you show us mercy, you are slow to judge, slow to anger. You are kind, but you are also a holy judge. And today, Lord, we want to come to you receiving that gift of salvation, recognizing that you died in our place on that cross. You took our sin. And now you rose from the dead and you are seated next to the Father in the heavenly realms. We ask you to be our Lord and Savior. We commit our lives to you. And Lord, we long for that day when you return and establish your kingdom forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to tell somebody. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you need to tell somebody. Look for a name tag. Look for anyone that has eyes and ears in here and you tell them and share. But for the rest of us, let's, let's sing, amen? We got a lot to be thankful for.